Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, let's welcome our guest pastor today, uh, Pastor George. Thank you for being with us. And a um, couple of announcements. Today is the last Sunday to contribute towards our April mission, um, Westminster PD. And thanks to Lee, um, our contributions, donations will go specifically to Westminster uh, PD's K-9 unit. So it'll be helping with the dogs. So thank you, Lee, for organizing that for us. Uh, this week, Tuesday, always sit and be fit, 10 o'clock. Everyone's welcome to come, men and women. It's usually just us ladies, but guys can come too. So um, Thursday, we have the Naughty Ones, 10 o'clock in the uh, Fellowship Hall. And our Luke Bible study will be back on Tuesday, May 3rd at noon. Um, so something to look forward to. And I, oh, also, um, this week's altar flowers are given by the Yubukis in celebration of their wedding anniversary. So beautiful. beautiful. I think that's about it. So we'll start.
every flying bird Let every mountain, every field and valley stand if you're able. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you, God, for our need, by what we have done, and by what we have not done. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved your neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all of your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Oh. 
for the peace from above and for our salvation let us pray to the Lord for the peace of the whole world for the well-being of the Church of God and for the unity of all let us pray to the Lord For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and glory be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and confess conversations that Jesus is the Lord and God through who the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Peace be with you. Our first reading is um, taken from our book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 12 through 32. If you'd like to follow along, you can follow along on the Pew Bibles or the one you brought. On the Pew Bible, it's on page 1698. Acts 5, 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord. 
and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin the full assembly of the elders of Israel and sent to the jail for the apostles. But arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought out the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to, be, to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this, in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed, by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We now move on to the Psalms in your bulletin printed out. We'll be looking at Psalm 148 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. 
Praise him, your highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he raised us up for the people a horn and praise all his servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Now we look at the last book in the Bible, Revelations. Uh, we'll be reading, I'll be reading chapter 1, verses 4 through 18. This can be found on your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along, on 1913, 1913. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is faithful who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos. Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Samaria, Pergamum, um, missing it up, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Lachidosha. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands stands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like, was white like wool, 
as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the shine, sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand if you're able. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John chapter 20. Okay. John chapter 20 verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
He has risen. Hallelujah. This is the second Sunday of Easter. And I discovered in the Lutheran Church calendar, today was listed as Quasimodo Genetti Sunday, the historic name given to this day. Who or what is Quasimodo Genetti? He's the hunchback of Notre Dame. The hunchback was a, of Notre Dame is a French Gothic novel by Victor Hugo, published in 1831. In the novel, Quasimodo is an abandoned child left at Notre Dame and adopted by the archdeacon Claude Forlillo. Quasimodo was a hideously deformed man. He had a giant hump on his back, a protrusion out of his chest, and he had a, a mole that covered one eye. And if that wasn't enough, he was also deaf. <clears throat> the priest who took him in would become his father, and she, Notre Dame, a.k.a. also known as Our Lady, would become his mother. The story goes, he was baptized on the second Sunday of Easter. He was given a new life, reborn from above and welcomed with love into the arms of his heavenly father and his mother, the church. This hideously deformed child, re rejected by the world, found sanctuary peace within the wounds of his Lord Jesus Christ. Up until now, he hadn't been given a name. Upon his baptism, he was given the name. He was now Quasimoto. Today is also known as St. Thomas Sunday, for obvious reasons. But the historic name comes from the first words of the introduction in Latin of, the, of 1 Peter. Quasimodo Genetti translated means, as in the manner of newborn babes longing for pure spiritual milk of the word. Our NIV translations of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 reads thusly, quote, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes craves pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. The character of Quasimoto in the novel was the antithesis of us mere mortals. He was definitely ugly on the outside, but pure on the inside, where we are just the opposite. Handsome, beautiful, good-looking on the outside. Well, some of us are. I don't know about me. <laughs> but on the inside, we're full of sin. In First Peter uh, chapter 2, some of the sins that we are to rid ourselves of, malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Enough about uh, Quasimodo. What about St. Thomas, a.k.a. Uh, Doubting Thomas? In our Gospel reading, if I can get pages separated, we learn that on the first day of the week, that's the first Sunday of Easter, we find the disciples hiding in a room with locked doors and afraid of the Jewish leaders. This indicates that they did not believe Jesus when he said in John 13, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. 
If you love me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you this now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. If we're honest with ourselves, we all have moments of unbelief where we don't believe God will provide for us in one way or another. And we take matters into our own hands, relying on our own strength and intellect and power and might, acting out of fear for one thing or another. From our human perspective, we can have empathy with the disciples' unbelief and fear. After all, they just witnessed their Savior, their Messiah, their Rabbi, tortured and crucified before their very eyes. The very same one they spent day and night traveling with and sharing meals and tribulations with one another for the past three years. A loss such as this leaves a hole in the heart where our beloved one used to occupy. We grieve and long for the intimacy we once had with them. I'm certain that many of you have experienced this type of grief that disciples are experiencing. Jesus told his disciples that they would experience grief and would rejoice and that no one would take away their joy. Take a look at John chapter 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I mean when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is being brought into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus as only God has the ability to make promises and keep them, keeps his promises. In the midst of their grieving, Jesus appears, returning just as he promised, entering the room, even though the doors were locked. His appearance alone, his passing through the solid doors and walls, would have provided enough evidence that he, the risen Savior, is the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, they had seen crucified. Jesus demonstrating his grace instead of condemnation for the disciples' unbelief. And without the disciples even asking, Jesus shows the disciples the holes in his hands and the wound in his side, bringing great joy to his disciples. Now the, dis the disciple Thomas was not hiding out with the rest of the disciples that first Sunday of Easter. The question is, where was he? Why was he not with the others? Perhaps he was not afraid of the Jewish leaders and did not find it necessary. Maybe he believed that Jesus' Jesus's promises and his ammunition not to be afraid. Another thing is, why was he so adamant 
that he would not believe until he saw the wounds in Jesus' hands and placed his hand in his side when the disciples told him they had seen Jesus alive. There were, at that time, rumors that Jesus had a cousin, and maybe he just wanted to make sure they weren't being deceived. On the second Sunday of Easter, Thomas was with the rest of the disciples. Since this is the second Sunday of Easter, presumably they've been holding up seven days now. The Bible doesn't really tell us one way or the other. Again, Jesus enters the locked room, and without Thomas asking, Jesus tells him, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out, put your hand in my side. Now, this is the same evidence Jesus gave the rest of the disciples on the first Sunday of Easter, even though they were showing their, their doubt by their actions. And Jesus did not condemn them for not believing. Perhaps he told Thomas <clears throat> to stop doubting and believe because unlike the rest of the disciples, he expressed his doubt verbally and in public. Who knows? As you can see, there's plenty of unbelief, of uh, doubting going around, not just Thomas's. Remember, Jesus is... Um, now, did Jesus just leave his disciples orphaned? No. Remember, Jesus promised not to leave them as orphans. Jesus keeps another of his promises. Our gospel reading for today, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 to 31, tells us that Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The scripture tells us that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are paracletes, counselors of the same essence, of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, God. Jesus has given the Holy Spirit to every believer, those that have received the gift of grace, his disciples, as a way of staying connected with God. He did not abandon them. In my opinion, the most important reason for giving us the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, is twofold. Quote, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him in, uh, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The first responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to mark us, to seal us as we are God's possession. He purchased us at a great price, Jesus' blood. The second responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to be a deposit in other translations, deposit is interpreted as our earnest, our pledge of inheritance. Earnest money is given when purchasing property. It's a promise that you're serious about purchasing the property. In fact, if you back out of the deal, the seller gets to keep the earnest money. The gift of the Holy Spirit signifies that God is serious about keeping his promise of salvation by his grace. This is great news for you and I. We don't have no worry, reason to worry about our salvation because God guarantees it. He's the only one who can make promises and keep them. The third responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to reveal all truth. 
God is truth. His word is truth. And in 1 John chapter 5, the Spirit is truth. There's one last thing that the Holy Spirit has a hand in. That's conforming us to the image of God's Son. In Romans 8, starting in 29, quote, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And we, all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what is the goal, the purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He accomplished this by his death and resurrection and guaranteeing it by his gift of the Holy Spirit. Is that it? Huh. Accept his gift of grace, of salvation, and then go back to living our lives, the same old life that we had before? I don't think so. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And most of you stop there, but 20 is important. Verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this command, go is not the verb make is. So don't worry, we don't have to pack up and go someplace. Better understanding of this scripture would be, as you go about your life, make disciples. So in your day-to-day -day activities, do that. Jesus' followers were known as disciples. The goal and purpose of being a disciple was to become like his rabbi, to learn from him so that he might imitate him. As a believer, a.k.a. a disciple of Jesus, we are to become imitators of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are expected to carry out all the things uniquely purposed by God for us to do. Each of us has a purpose. We're told to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. This is the purpose of our salvation, to become an image of God, an image of Jesus. An image of something is not an exact replica. However, anybody that's seeing the image should be able to recognize what, or in this case, who the image represents. We should each ask ourselves often, is our image representing representation of Jesus is it good is it faithful if not ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do better that's what the Holy Spirit's given to us to do to help us in order to reflect Jesus to the world around us we need to know him intimately to do this we need to know the truth of who he is and how he conducts himself we can do this by abiding in Jesus in uh, John chapter 15, the parable of the vine, Jesus tells us how we're to abide in him as Jesus abides in the Father through obedience. The same obedience spoken of in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Sanctification is an important uh, element of working out our salvation. A pen is sanctified when it's writing. A book is sanctified when it is read. 
because they are carrying out the purpose for which they were created. We are sanctified when we fulfill what God has set us apart to do. Imitate Jesus. Seek and save the lost. Making disciples, brothers and sisters of Jesus that continue to grow the family of God the Father of which Jesus is the preeminent son. There is no set way to seek and save the lost. That is why God created us as unique individuals. With unique gifts and talents, each of us can reach the lost in different and varying ways. One of the common things in our approach to be a good, a great image of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in reflecting his love and not hate to the world around us. In doing so, the Apostle Paul tells us that we fulfill the whole law of God. Please bow your hearts in attitude of prayer. Lord, thank you for leading by example and demonstrating how to love the unlovable such as ourselves. Help us to abide, to slow down and take time to spend with you so that we can bear much fruit and ask for your help in loving uh, like you do even the unlovable people in our lives. And to do that and help us by putting a guard over our hearts, our minds, our mouth, and even our very soul and wrapping us up in your compassion, your kindness, your humility, your meekness, your forbearance, and wrap it all up in the bond of perfection, your agape love, so that we might reflect you and your kingdom to the world around us in the most favorable light, bringing glory and honor to both you and your kingdom. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name.
Please stand if you're able. Please uh, join me in reciting the tenets of our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended on he rose again. He ascended in hell, and he stood at the right hand of the brother. He will come again to judge the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please pray with me for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you to praise you and thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who went to the cross so that we could be saved. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for our salvation and the hope of living in eternity with you in heaven. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our comforter and guide. We thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which sustains us and gives us hope when we are weak and weary. We thank you, Lord, that you know our every need. Help us to always put you first and give us confidence to trust you no matter what. We thank you, Father, that you are in control of all things. Please keep us safe and in your loving care. Thank you, Lord, for this church family and for our sister church, Victory Outreach. Please bless us and give us strength and equip us to do your will. We thank you, God, that we can worship you in freedom. You are our refuge and strength. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit onto all nations and their leaders, granting them your holy wisdom. Lord, we pray that you would protect our food supply and keep us in your perfect peace. Lord, we lift up those who are facing addictions, the homeless and the displaced, and we pray for families that are torn apart by sin. We lift up our unsaved loved ones and ask that you would reveal yourself to them and stir up their faith. Lord, we pray that you would bless and strengthen all healthcare workers and help those who are facing disease in body or mind. Lord, please grant relief for those who are in chronic pain. Please help those who are anxious and fearful. Please mend the brokenhearted and the lonely and bless the widows and widowers. Lord, please bring healing and hope to those who suffer and are facing cancer and ailments of the body. Please send your comfort to them and grant them your peace, which transcends all understanding. Help us, dear Lord, to live by faith and not by sight. 
Please draw us closer to you and refresh us daily with your presence. Beautiful Savior, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you always. Share the peace with those around you. Okay. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption all that you made for the sake of him who gave his works for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the two paschal lamb, who gave himself to take away our sins, who in dying has destroyed death and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so, with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all the creatures and with the angels and archangels, cherubim, seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Savior was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it east. This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the meal, he took the cup, blessed it, gave thanks, and said, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Join me in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please sit. The table is set and all are welcome. Follow the instructions of the ushers. Communion assistants, please come forward.
Whisper. 
Please put out your hands and receive a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And I forgot the whole blessing. May he go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. Now and ever shall be